Hello and welcome to Geek Sweat. We are the news, reviews and interviews podcast and today we are broadcasting live and direct from the Advocacy Academy. The Advocacy Academy is an activist youth movement of leaders fighting for justice and equality. They serve as the political home for grassroots youth organising and the catalyst for collective action. They exist in the heart of Southwest London in Brixton. You can find them on the website www.theadvocacy.com Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Sweat. I'm your host, MKH, and you are now tuned in to the MKH Cut. And in case you were wondering what the MKH Cut was or is and will always be, it's an opportunity for us at the Geek Sweat Dome to look at films that are exclusively made and distributed by one of the streaming platforms we have here in the UK, but if you have a VPN across the world. So this will include, but not exclusive to, Netflix, Amazon Prime, um, Apple TV, and Britbox, AKA Brexit Box. And today we will be looking at The Guilty, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, and produced and directed by Antoine Fuqua. That's two surname minefields that you tiptoed through with the grace of a ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And that voice you just heard uh, featured was, of course, TJ. Hello, TJ. Listen carefully because we are about to talk about the guilty. And thank you for bringing me on to this episode. That is probably the lowest decibels you're going to hear his voice ever in the history <laughs> of Geek Sweat. Thank you for uh, being here and joining me for MKH Cut. And right opposite TJ, we have Kingdom. Hello, Kingdom. Hello, MKH. Thanks for having me. Oh, we, we're going to have one of these episodes where everyone's going to do it ASMR. We're going to be it's more we have an, Instead of an uh, Asimov, we have an ASMR off. Do you know what's really funny? When it comes to ASMR, I don't really like when people speak. I prefer watching videos where they're doing chiropractic yeah. adjustments. Okay. And you just have the oil on the on the person's back and you hear like... That's what, a, where are you on a mukbang spectrum? What's mukbang? Um, it's a sel careful selection of videos where you get to see somebody, and it seems to be, I don't want to make prejudice, somebody of uh, East Asian origin w eating a selection of... Uh, varied food that's disgusting i've never watched that yeah i don't like I, watching people eat food yeah that's the one thing i i never understood like yeah. watching people eat a burger and w seeing yeah the the actual food being chewed in their mouth that's i don't think anyway, so much i'm not even gonna kink shame <laughs> I, it's just not for me i'm mm. i'm more of the chiropractic adjustment guy yeah if i see a a nice attractive woman getting her back twisted i'm yeah. all i'm all on it do you know what? If I'm on the ASMR spectrum, I think I'm probably more the intangible items of like things like a bubble wrap being popped and stuff like that. <laughs> and special effects, understanding where special effects sounds come in, like uh, people stabbing icebergs, yeah. iceberg lettuces to kind of replicate sounds. So for me, Barbarian Sound Studio, excellent film. And where, where are you on the ASMR spectrum, um, Dom? Honestly, I don't even know what that acronym stands for. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> but you, you, I'm like, you, what the fuck are you talking you've about? You've never delved into that world before. Coming Honestly, up, no. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. 
open bracket ASMR close bracket. So well, it, there we go. It's basically people that get off of just hearing different sounds. Okay. In wow. a nice, now gentle way. Wow, Dom's not a part of that world. And apparently it's supposed to provide a tingling sensation that typically begins in the scalp and moves down the back of the yeah, neck. Yeah, it goes right spine. down my spine where I see a nice little Italian woman getting that. That's like, ooh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> squanch, squanch, squanch. Anyway. <laughs> we're not now we know. To, <laughs> we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about The Guilty, which is a very lean film. It's only a it hun- is. It's only 90 minutes. Yeah. Lean and That's mean. In, yeah, including credits. Oh, really? I yeah. think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's insane how lean it is. It's a very short cast indeed, yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those sandbox films where everything takes place in one or two rooms. And in fact, I, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. I kind of prefer films where you just see someone at one point in the day and it just continues down that, that path until the end of the film. I don't like all this time skipping and jumping. Okay. I think sometimes I need something like Phone Booth or The yeah. Guilty. That's funny because Phone Booth was the film yeah. that I thought was similar to this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, there was a point in the film where I thought either one of two things are going to happen. Either he's going to say, God damn it, and go out of the office <laughs> and like start shooting people, yeah, yeah, or yeah. he's going to retreat even more into himself. Yeah, and that's yeah. what he actually did. He actually moved from the control room to a enclosed room and continued <laughs> his phone calls. Exactly. Like He was like, okay, so let me just do the synopsis of, the, of this uh, film, first of all. So a demoted police officer assigned to a call dispatch desk is conflicted when he receives an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman how did we feel about the um the premise of this um well i didn't understand that this was based on a 2018 danish thriller by the same name which it actually is looks less animated trailer to trailer comparisons uh but and the danish version seemed a bit more contained and more tense but yeah it's a dream role for Gyllenhaal to get his uh, chops into because he runs through a whole spectrum of emotions but i also thought joe baylor is like a human resources disciplinarian's wet dream because he's just like a time bomb of chaos waiting to go off at any 20 or 30 seconds and i i we will get back to it but he is trouble contained in one box and i felt what is this guy going to do next and i think the main intrigue was what the hell is this guy d- done to get into this circumstance you know um, and uh, what did you feel, Dom, about the synopsis? And yeah, we'll, we'll start there first. Yeah, I liked it. Um, it's an interesting one because um, the director, Antoine Fuqua, he's done a lot of cinema films. And yeah. usually cinema directors get lured to Netflix to do something even bigger. Mm. But he's gone to Netflix and he's made something that could have been a TV drama in almost any era. It's totally stripped back. And I like that. Mm. I... Um, I, t- to be honest, when I suggested this film, I, d- I, ha- I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I just saw Jake and I thought, okay, I liked him in Nightcrawler, so let's give it a punt. And I would say I was, despite the um, the scarcity of locations <laughs> on offer, I, I quite I was quite engaged. And I think that was helped also by the fact it was quite a relatively short film when you, when you think about it. And... Yeah. Um, Jake managed to um, carry this whole film in his back. Because to be honest, even though there are other big names as voice actors attached to this Mm. film, I didn't know who the fuck was talking to him on the phone. I was more listening to him 
Which and, is okay, because yeah. you don't want to be distracted. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you then just start listening out for particular voices and goes, ah, that's this guy. And three minutes in, you're like, you're not even paying attention to what this, they're saying. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I felt that um, it, it could have been anyone on the other side of the call. It could, it, like, I don't care if it was Ethan Hawke. It could have been anyone being the sergeant from the other department. Mm. But um, it was more of a case of what was written in mm. terms of the dialogue between uh, the parties. Mm. Um, in terms of... I, I haven't watched any other films from Antoine uh, Fuqua. He must have done you, Training you Day. Yeah. Oh, shit, he made Training Day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Can I drop some more Antoine Fuqua film bombs Damn, for you? Damn, son. So you can get an idea of what yeah, he's done. Give it to me. Okay, so Antoine Fuqua, and I've just uh, clicked on the wrong thing. But yeah, here we are on IMDb. And uh, Antoine Fuqua, strapping young man, black guy, has also done The Magnificent Seven, 2016, Equalizer, 2014, Southpaw, also Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, 2015, uh, Brooklyn's Finest in 2009, where he got to choose from Alec Baldwin, Wesley Snipes, Ethan Hawke again, and Don Cheadle. And he has also done Shooter at the TV series as well. That's quite good, actually, because I did quite enjoy, um, what's it called, the Equalizer uh, film and its sequel. Mm. Uh, not so much the Magnificent Seven because that was the reboot, wasn't it? With yeah. Um, yeah. him and who's that other tall guy, Chris Pratt? Yeah, um, didn't really get into that, but okay, he, he's he's got a few things. He has got reboot form. Yes, well, it, it, or uh, reboot on the other foot what, form. Why? <laughs> why yeah. Why? Why reinventing the wheel, which yeah. is his motto? <laughs> <laughs> the wheel's there, and I'm gonna t I'm gonna ride it all the way to the box office. Okay, no, okay. Well, works for Zack Schneider. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, now I have a better sense of who Antoine is. Um, what did we think of the? Let's let's talk about the aesthetics of the film first of all before we get into the plot and everything. Mm. What did did the film look nice to you? Did uh, were the shots correct? Yeah, tell me about that. I want to say something because you've got the uh, you've mentioned like phone booth as well, and uh, there's different. You mentioned uh, earlier like weird things happen to somebody in one day, and let like, training day is an obvious uh, thing to think about. Um, there was the Michael Douglas film Falling Down and if you're into like Martin Scorsese doing comedy After Hours is another real time minute by minute action of somebody's life collapsing in front of them uh, but because it was like the intense uh, one person in one place type of thriller this did remind me of Colin Farrell in Phone Booth 2004 uh, Chris Evans and Kim Bassinger coming together in Cellular in, also in 2004 and um, Hostage with Bruce Willis in 2005. So ironically, there was this weird year of like thrillers happening in one space. I think Ryan Reynolds has done Buried yes. as well. He doesn't get to move where he is. Um, I felt that I got the impression that the implication was that this was a recovering addict or alcoholic and he was divorced due to a mistake he made in line of duty. Totally get that. But I totally lost the sense of time, which I think was intentional because he was indoors all of the time. The only real light source was coming from a, forest fire that was supposedly happening at the same time of the emergency calls he was receiving so that's why anything jake uh, joe baylor's character was working on was kind of lower priority which is why i think lent itself to his isolation but i think one thing that i picked up on quite well and the poster does allude to it because it says listen carefully with, with the words across his face 
sound and audio was really important in terms of where he was in the story and how yeah. his uh, tension levels and competency and where his emotions were. A lot of it was connected to the audible, what was audible in, yeah. in the film. So uh, for you, Dom, uh, was the sound more important than what we were seeing on screen? And the voice acting and stuff like that and the interactions he well, had I on the Well, I guess like um, the way the film was shot, you know, initially it was shot like a film that might have moved outside of the one location. Mm. So there were more establishing shots, mid shots, whatever. You could see his surroundings. You could see co-workers. You could see the bank of TV screens they had. And that kind of added to the atmosphere at first. There was a kind of almost apocalyptic atmosphere with all the fires going on. Yeah. So it felt like there was a context. And then gradually as the film wore on, the mm. style of shooting became more and more stripped back. There were just lots more close-ups and even his surroundings became a lot simpler because he moved into the other room. And by the end of the film, it was just close-ups and close-ups mm. of Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm. Uh, so, so would it be safe to say this is a, a critique of climate change? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. It's a critique of people playing with matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so be careful, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a critique of what it was. It was a critique of Netflix and chill because I was watching this with a friend um, for the first time as it was coming on. And throughout the film, there was so much exposition from some of the phone calls he was getting because I think he got a phone call from a, a newspaper. He wanted to interview him. And even though he was told by his desk sergeant or duty sergeant, do not pick up the phone whilst you're working. He's like, fuck it. I'm, I'm answering these calls. I'm on WhatsApp trying to leave messages with his um, ex-girl, with his soon-to-be ex-wife, uh, trying to uh, say goodbye to his, or goodnight to his daughter. And um, the one thing, piece of intrigue that really carried us through was like, what was it that Joe Baylor had got up to that had put him in his position? And it was like, that really carried me through. And I think that got me into a position where the plot twist of the film for me came earlier than when it was announced because I was focusing completely on a, a different thing. I stopped doing, the, the visuals were important and it was good to kind of see this kind of clinically clean, kind of sobering space that he was in away from the drama and the noise of what it's like to be a, an on the street police detective because this was like kind of t-shirt, clean, sh clean shirt, trousers, even the bathroom is very pristine. Like all of the blood and guts of being a police officer wasn't there, but clinical decisions had to be made. And I kind of got the impression that was an intentional directorial theme going through the story. Dom, do you think that this film played to um, Jake Gyllenhaal's strengths? Who actually also produced this film as well. So. I mean, it definitely plays to his strengths. He does a lot of capital A acting. Yeah. And I did feel towards the end, was he acting too much? Yeah. I don't know. He did get very shouty towards the end. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. So like, if I, if I worked with this guy in real life, I would be, I'll be requesting we go outside for a fist fight every yeah, 10 yeah, minutes yeah. because the way he was shouting at his colleagues was absolutely insane. Like, like, yeah, pull him the fuck through. You're like, hold on. Like, this am guy, I a human being? He was constantly <laughs> on the edge of a timeout, I thought, uh, as he was performing. And I got the impression that, do you, actually, do you know what the thing that made it stand out is the other emergency call operators were too docile by comparison. It was like he was amped up in the room. He was like literally the fire starter. But it makes sense to why he was amped up because obviously the next day he would go and yeah. what he's wrong doing. But do you think some like increments would have helped? Do you think he could have... 
Well, you need to add to. Bit, we need to men- Sorry, we need to mention the plot. There was an ongoing court case that he was about to attend yeah. the following day, and he's actually on desk duty because he's kind of partially suspended because of an incident that has taken place before the film starts. Isn't well, it's not suspended. That's what always happens in America. You sure. shoot someone when you're on duty, they put you on desk duty. Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> spoiler alert. But yeah, they never actually sack anyone. They never send them home suspended with pay or yeah. without pay. They always just put them on desk. And he got basically the worst desk duty you can get. Like yeah. getting screening calls where you don't actually care about it a lot of the time. Mm. And um, he kind of channeled his anxiety for what was going to happen the next day into finding not only this woman that had been kidnapped, spoiler alert, but also the welfare of the children they'd left at the house. Mm. Um, yeah. So in some ways, it's almost a critique of the system because if it wasn't for one guy mm. who is basically having some kind of meltdown, that case would never have been solved. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. And I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd love to know what... But then again, there's not a lot that we can glean from what was Antoine trying to say because it's based on a <laughs> Danish film. So like... Yeah. All the creativity was really done for him. Yeah, well, I guess. I mean, if you want to go back, it reminded me a bit of um, 12 Angry Men, you know, yeah. the film about yeah. the jury service. Yeah. Because yeah. it's one man who turns the whole jury around. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. basically saying if it wasn't for him, that guy would have been wrongfully convicted. Yeah, yeah, and sure. how many times is there someone who is that alert to what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if I should say too much about how good it, how different the film experience is if you listen carefully. But I think there's an interesting plot twist that you can experience for yourself because you get to understand the characters more through how they say things and why they've said things as well. Uh, But coming back to the main character, Joe Baylor, there was so many kind of uh, clues to where he was emotionally because I think even when he had one of his outbursts and he said something like... um, uh, uh, I'm really sorry. He apologised to one of his colleagues and goes, oh, we should really uh, uh, go out and have a drink after this. And the idea is like that idea of him drinking alcohol wasn't really meant as a very friendly gesture, but more of an ironic one, suggested that um, drinking or some kind of substance abuse has been a problem for him in the past or now. And it turns out it's a problem with one of his current um, uh, cop partners as well. Um, so this, the uh, principal photography for this film happened in November 2020. Could we say that this was like the perfect film to film within a pandemic because like it starred three people in a room? Well, no. So when you look at the casting list, it's three people in a room, probably one or two extras. But then the majority of the acting is done voice. Yeah. Uh, so in a recording booth. So not a lot of con- contact needed to be made between parties sure and going by what is said on um uh, wikipedia um the director <laughs> directed the entire film <laughs> from a van with screens yeah. sure <laughs> so he never actually came in contact wow that <laughs> is like the real authentic experience yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and um it was filmed over 11 days so quite quite short um sure. production which is quite cool so was it and I, I was going to say that it's quite creative that they decided to pick this film 
during to film during a pandemic, but this was in production. Well, this was in production since 2018. Yeah. So like it it wasn't something like Antoine was sitting at home saying, "Oh shit, like a pandemic's happened. Yeah. How, do I, how am I still going to pay the bills?" Quick to yeah. the filming van. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is something that was always in the pipeline. Yeah. Um. So, in terms of a pandemic film, what did you think of it? Um. I think it was very appropriate. It was very interesting. Um, I like the idea that you've got this um, character in who's on the other side of an emergency and he hasn't got the full physical tools and resources at his disposal to kind of enact justice and investigate things. (laughs) So this, I, I like the idea that he was having to go through this red tape and bureaucracy to kind of deliver what he thought was the best possible investigation. I am not sure if the way he lets off steam in a moment's notice of uh, working in isolation, because he does disappear into another room at one point. It seems like he's this maverick who's just allowed to do what he wants. And I'm not sure if it's doing a disservice to 911 operators and up and down the country, but it does effectively reveal their, let's say, compassion for the job. But it was this kind of weird thing where me not working in um, uh, anything to do with uh, civil justice or law, like when an employee decides to get up from his desk and go into a dark room and switch a computer on and put the blinds down, it means something completely different to what he did. So it was hard to kind of marry those two worlds and work out what he was doing. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> two, Thanks for that. Yeah, no, t- t- two things about that. It's like this guy was clearly on edge all day. It, yeah. it, it, it kind of boggled my mind was it why he wasn't in the room from the beginning of the fucking film because like yeah. this guy obviously doesn't play well with others. Yeah. Also, you you, you made a point earlier about the uh, exposition that was made, yeah. but then again, it, it fitted with the theme of him being an operator, like... Being bombarded by a different stimuli. Yeah, Yeah. and everything had to be in detail, especially when you're on phone calls. You have to explain exactly what is happening. Yeah. So, like, I think uh, exposition was within the theme of being a... A, uh, a switchboard operator, whatever the fuck yeah. he was. And maybe that's the life, isn't it? It's like you're an emergency operator. You've yeah, just you just dealt with one crisis. Yeah. You've got to switch it off now and get onto the next call and be professional for the next caller who you may have just saved a pregnant woman from having a miscarriage and now you've got to help some guy mm. who's having trouble with a prostitute uh, banging on his window for extra cash, you know? Yeah, because it was so funny, like... Uh, uh, that at one at one point during the film, he was like, basically, fuck off, go and call someone else. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for a call for something really important. He's like, wait, yeah, what? Yeah. He's like, no, no, just leave me alone. Like, yeah, yeah. call back. Like, I ain't got time for this shit. Which I, um, added a bit of levity and like comedy to it, which I don't know if it was intentional, but I find it quite funny. It yeah. was intentional when he was speaking to the man who was being harassed by a prostitute, but I don't yeah, know yeah. If, if later on he was like, no, fuck off. Like, don't, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. stop calling here. Uh, was intentional. But um, I, I enjoyed um, uh, Jake's uh, performance during it. I, I, I do agree with uh, Dom kingdom where he was saying that towards the end of it he did become almost a a a larger than life comic villain where you think okay are you really like (laughs) are you really like this what is happening right now why are you um was that uh, necessary for you to um uh be that 
that am- a- animated in a sense. Mm. Um, in terms of uh, a film, do you think this could have come out in cinemas? Well, I'm looking at the previous film that is based on and um, I'm just going to steal some stats from Rotten Tomatoes. This current film, uh, the 2021 release of The Guilty is 72% on a tomato meter and 46% on the audience score. So that's got no reflection on our ratings for at the moment. But the original Danish film was 98% on a tomato meter and 87% on the audience score. So I think if you're looking for a tense uh, mystery thriller, this is probably something that has got a lot of legs if you're not familiar with that world and perhaps it may help if you're not familiar with the actor maybe with a lesser known actor it will feel a bit more unpredictable about what's going to happen next um dom what what do you think of it do you think this could have been released in um in cinemas I think so um I think there's a place for single location films at this point this type as long as they're done well mm. i remember a film from a few years ago with tom hardy yeah. mm. called Locke, where he's mm. basically driving down a motorway and talking about concrete yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I, basically the film but it works because there is a story and it's well acted have you seen that i haven't seen it but people keep telling me because i remember speaking to someone about phone booth and they 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 recommended that i uh, watch Locke with um, Tom Hardy but then Tom Hardy can always carry a film he's quite a great actor but this reminds me of a film that we another film we did for the MKH cut I think it was for the MKH cut it was a French film where a woman was stuck in a tube yeah right uh, the whole time the and, sci-fi film yeah the sci-fi film and I cannot for the life of me remember Oxygen was, yeah Oxygen mm. so and that kind of played into the sense that it's one location everyone being trapped and people and that, that was during the height of the pandemic yeah people uh, being able to relate to a person, not being able to move out of the one location they have. Sure. Um, do we feel that this... Can I make a nomination as well? Go on. Um, there was a film that came out in 2008 uh, called Pontypool, starring uh, Stephen McHattie, who is kind of like a horror film favourite. And it's about a radio host who interprets the possible outbreak of a deadly virus which infects the small town of Ontario where he's stationed and it's basically like this tense potential horror where he doesn't know if he's getting crank called basically he's trapped in a kind of a snow blizzard right. and he's kind of reporting and he's rep- playing the music but doing his own dj report but he's taking calls in and he's not sure if he's being messed about by crank calls or if there's a real virus outbreak taking place mm. around him so that's a very interesting one that's, that's I've, I've never heard of that but that's that's a quite a good film that people might want to delve into. I'll send it in a WhatsApp chat and I will put it on Twitter. Yeah, that's cool. Well, what I was going to say basically is, so Oxygen came out during the height of the pandemic and I think people watched it because they could relate to it. Like I'm trapped, like we're in one single location. Um, this film now, also in a single location, but it's come basically the tail end where all lockdowns have been lifted. Is this something people want to see, uh, considering the fact that they were locked down for 18 months is this will this give people P, uh, ptsd flashbacks <laughs> like seeing uh um jake gyllenhaal escalate his performance being trapped in one and, like, and keep people away or do you think oh, it's just a good film it will it, people won't uh, identify it like that kingdom first okay i think what would have really killed it if 
is if there was anything specific to the pandemic. Because yeah. people really, really don't want to see that anymore. And there have been like one or two films which have had like a pandemic subject or subtext. I think there was a heist film. I can't remember who was in it, who directed it. Is you know, right? quite known directors and actors. And no one wanted to see it. Okay. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I would like to know what that film is. But this film had like a kind of low-level atmosphere of threat from the forest fires, but it wasn't specific to the pandemic, and I sure. think that's what carried it through. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, and it kind of built in the suspension of disbelief of why is it only this one guy who's working for the police force is paying attention to this strange thing that's happening because everyone else is distracted. So uh, The Guilty had its world premiere premiere at the 2021 Toronto International Film Festival on September 11th, 2021. It was released in a, in a limited release on the 24th of September, 2021, prior to streaming on Netflix on the 1st of October. The film was streamed in 90, no, no, 69 million households mm. over its first month of release and was the top watched film on the platform in 91 countries. So that's quite good when you think about it like people were really drawn to this even though it was limited locations um not many uh visual actors a lot of it was voice work and um yeah so that, that's that's quite good considering and as uh, tj already said uh 72 percent on rotten tomatoes um so i got one more question for you guys ignoring the stats I just gave out about 69 <laughs> million people watching it in the first month and being yeah. top rated in 90 uh, one countries um, <laughs> do we need, even need to suggest people watching it oh I guess not but I've got the details of this other film it was mm. called Locked Down fucking I was a bit on the nose in it bit on the nose <laughs> <laughs> But it still died without trace, yeah. um, starring Chiwetel Ejiofor and Anne Hathaway. And oh, wow. it's directed by Doug Lehman, who did such films as Mr. and Mrs. Smith and I the think, first Bourne film. I think I saw a trailer for that. That's the highest movie that takes place during the lockdown, isn't it? Yes. It's like, we're in a lockdown. Let's do a heist. Yeah. When, like, if you're in a lockdown, wouldn't you, how would you get away with that? I because think it was... Yeah, it was like Ocean's Eleven meets um, the news. Yeah, <laughs> like they do a heist, and like the police only have to chase that one car. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah. There's no, you can't disappear into into any crowd, any traffic yeah. jam. You can't switch cars. because yeah. you're the only car on the road. That Could you imagine a chased. car chase? That would happen. That would be crazy, wouldn't That's, it? Yeah, no wonder it failed. Whoever, uh, hang your heads in shame. Um, so, with that being said. I just want to say one thought about this is, is I think in terms of recommendation uh, for me, it feels like the type of film that if you want to watch it um, and you don't want your brain, brain to do anything, it's pretty good. And if you want to see Jake Gyllenhaal be an impressive American cop, I would suggest end of watch 2012, but this film, it's kind of a good appetizer, but, for some reason, it's actually wanted. It's made me want to watch the Danish original, having seen what's happened. I know Antoine Fuqua is a good director, but I just wondered what else was out there if it was just like dialed down with the noise and dialed up with the tension. Good point. Mm. Do you want to hear the plot of Lockdown? Uh, go for it. 
Linda discloses that there is a three million pound diamond in the vault at Harrods that has been sold to an anonymous buyer and the store keeps a duplicate on location. She and Paxton agree to take the real diamond for themselves and send the fake one to the buyer in New York City. City! Splitting the sale between themselves and the National Health Service. Okay. That, like, I guess that, that, that beats uh, standing on your doorstep every Thursday and clapping. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, still, it was two on the nose, like, in terms of... Maybe that could have been something that, that happened post-pandemic and mm. say, yeah, this happened during the pandemic. But yeah, I don't yeah. think someone wanted, in the midst of a pandemic... No one was ready it. for that. Yeah, no. Actually, I, do you know what would have been more interesting with that plot is if there was... If we were on the verge of a lockdown and the heist had to happen when there was a crowd and they had to do it before the lockdown was enforced across the country then that idea of like having that race against time of not being the only people on the street doing a bank robbery. That, that would have really worked. I mean, especially as Boris did this thing of announcing the lockdown. Yeah. yeah. In like, you know, there will be a lockdown in three weeks because that's when the virus will start. Mm. Yeah, because there was that kind of panic and tension of like, are we going to wear masks? Are we not going to wear masks? Security was kind of enforced in more places and people were like saying, well, if we're going to be in lockdown, we've got to make sure everything's like secure for the time that this place is going to be closed. So security measures were being changed along the way. So that could have been interesting. Isn't it crazy we had a lockdown and like everyone was just at home. <laughs> we just got on with it. Yeah, there was like no that, resistance. Yeah, like there was no like uh, civil disobedience or whatever. Like, like we, just, we just submitted. <laughs> that's, that's kind of wild. But I think the reason they didn't do the plot how you suggest is because the NHS aspect. Yeah. Because I think it was pretty clear during the lockdown that the NHS was on its knees and needed money. Yeah. So I think that's why they added in the fact that, oh yeah, 50% of this is going to go to the NHS mm. and not we're not just going to do some... Otherwise, the characters would just seem really unsympathetic. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the reason why. Did any of the film proceeds go to the NHS? I don't know. But I mean, I'm not trying to put pressure on a production company, but it sounds like the obvious... But how would they... Because there was no box office for it. Yeah, but I suppose the advertising revenue, if it was going straight to streaming. But they would have paid for the advertising them, them, themselves? What, what, where would they have collected money? Because where, where was this streamed? Actually, that would be interesting. Because like, that, yeah, proceeds from that would have... Yeah. Oh, let's find out. Gone to... Um, was it on Brexit box or something? Or Brit <laughs> box, shall we say? It feels like it's an Apple Plus moment. Do you think? Or an HBO Max moment. Well, Anne Hathaway, American actor, is probably going to be on American platform. Just a guess. Yeah, so I didn't see it on uh, Amazon or anything like that. I think it's probably because the name's too generic yeah, to find. Yeah, actually it's true. Yeah, that would not have come up in my algorithm. Because I, I think the worst film to call, the worst title to give your film in 2020 would be Lockdown Film. Right, you know. <laughs> These guys did not understand how Twitter works. <laughs> exactly. You would have been like, drowned. I mean, what else could you call the film? Like pandemic? Exactly. <laughs> COVID-19. Yeah. <Yes. laughs> so we're not making that mistake again. Our new film, Joe Biden, is sure to be a great hit. <laughs> uh, so did you oh, find it was HBO Max in December 2020. Uh, nice. And it, the intention was to release it uh, well, it was, it, sorry, it was acquired by HBO Max in December 2020, due for release in early 2021. Not much after that. I was released in January 14th, 2021. On HBO Max? Yeah. I wonder if, it, if it, it's arrived in the UK yet. Anyway, who gives a fuck? Yeah. 
that sums it up. It was the first film to have the revamped Warner Brothers logo. So there you go. I'm just going to say the numbers. $3 million budget, $334,000 box office. So it made a tenth of what it cost. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's probably less than what they paid the actors. Yeah. Anyway, that has been the MKH cut. (laughs) If you're wondering, please go and uh, stream uh, The Guilty on Netflix. Out Now came out on the 1st of October. I would like to say a massive thank you uh, for King Dom for joining me on this journey. Thank you as always. Ah, Kinishiwa. And uh, thank you for TJ. Guilty as always. Ciao for now. Merci. And a thank you for everyone out there listening and consuming this content. I've been MKH. This has been the MKH Cut. And this has been a part of the Geek Sweat Extended Universe. Or the GSU for short. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Thank you. And uh, we will see you uh, soon, uh, hopefully. Uh, Bye-bye. Release the MKH cut.